welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. Uh, this is an episode that I recorded earlier in the year with Nazim Hussain. Uh, I love Nazim, really great guy. I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get this one up, but uh, as people who are regular listeners to this podcast and to my other podcast, Tofop, know, uh, I have had some problems over the last few months with uh, getting all the podcasts up and losing a few episodes. So I'm pretty much up to date now. I think that all the episodes that I have recorded are up on the internet. There's a couple of new episodes of Philosophy up, uh, one with Sarah Kendall. Um, the brilliant Australian comedian Sarah Kendall that I recorded uh, in the UK. I think you're really going to love that episode if you haven't checked that out yet. And uh, one I recorded before that with a brilliant performance artist called Bryony Kimmings, who a lot of people may not be familiar with, but I always do recommend that if you haven't heard the name of the person I'm interviewing, still check out those episodes. Uh, in some ways, they're the most interesting episodes. I'm always trying to find people that uh, I think are interesting to have on the podcast, and I think you will find their stories interesting regardless of whether you're familiar with their work or not beforehand. In fact, you may not be familiar with Nazim, and if you are not, please check him out. If you can go and see him live, he's a brilliant live performer, but also uh, you can check out a bunch of his stuff online, so make sure you do that as well. Uh, I'm going to be really quick on this one, but yes, there's a bunch of new Velocity episodes up, if you can check those out. Uh, there's a bunch of new Fofop episodes up as well, uh, including the 200th, the Fofengers episode is up now as well, so... Um uh, you can find all those at tofop, T-O-F-O-P dot com. If you've never listened to that podcast before, uh, that'd be really cool. My special, of course, Illuminati is still out and about. So if you're in a place where you can buy that, please buy that because I'm hoping I can do a new one with uh, free will, but we need enough people to buy Illuminati so that, you know, we can afford to do free will. Basically, that's all I want. I want enough people to buy this one so that I can, you know, film the next one and keep filming them in the future. So if you're in a place where you can buy Illuminati, please buy it. Uh, you can download it from iTunes or on Google Play or on your PlayStation, I believe. But you can buy the DVD with the uh, extra What You Talking About Will show in there as well. Um, and if you're in a place in the world where you can't buy it, then steal it. That's okay. I'm fine with that. I would still like you to see the show. That'd be really cool. I have a bunch of uh, gigs left on my free will tour. I have a few dates left in London at the Soho Theatre when you hear that. So if you want to come and check me out and you happen to be in London or somewhere near London, you can come and free see Free Will at the Soho Theatre until uh, Sunday, the, uh, Sunday the 14th or Sunday the 15th, whenever that is. And uh, of June, and then after that, I will be uh, taking the show uh, July the 11th. It'll be at the Nerd Melt Theatre in Los Angeles. Uh, the 26th of July, I will be at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival doing the entire hour. I'll be there all week doing shows, but uh, doing the hour on the 26th, and it'd be brilliant if you could come along to that. Illuminati sold out last year, so it's the same venue. So if you want to come and see Free Will, the new show, uh, maybe book early because it, it may sell out. That'd be really cool if it does. Uh, and then after that, I'm doing Sydney at the Enmore and then uh, Perth at the PCEC. Both of those shows with Justin Hamilton and all the details of all those shows, including some uh, gigs I'm doing in America, in Madison at Comedy on State and a bunch of other shows are all up on my website, willanderson.com.au, if you want to check out that stuff. Uh, if you like the podcast, share it around, rate it on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Uh, that's the best way you can support it. And the other best way you can support it is, of course, by uh, coming out and seeing my live shows. So uh, thank you to Nazim and uh, thank you to all my guests and uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Oh, I should mention, uh, as I like to occasionally, thank you to St. Hughes. 
um, who are the uh, people who came up with my theme music for the podcast, and they have a song called I Like You uh, featuring Holly B, and that is out on iTunes. You can buy that and support those guys. I will often put it on at the end of the podcast, and uh, if you like that song, please go out and you know support St. Hughes for, for letting me use their song for my, my theme song. All right, guys, uh, I hope you enjoy this one with Nazim, and I'll talk to you again soon. Cheers. Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson, and I'm going to get straight into it today because I've been banging on too much at the start. Uh, we're going to start with the traditional opening to the podcast. It's very simple. Our guest has not listened to the podcast, so this is good because it means you haven't prepared for this question. Uh, no, it's good. You can say shit as well. It's okay. It's fine. I put explicit on the podcast. Everything's fine. Uh, guest, who are you? My name is Nazim Hussain, and I'm here in your sauna slash recording studio. I like that. So that, that that answer. The reason I always paint a picture in people's minds. No, no. But what I also like about asking that first question, and it doesn't have some like there's no trap to it or anything. Okay. But I just like to hear how people define themselves. <laughs> oh, really? When someone yeah. says, "Who are you?" I place myself geographically. Right. You were very much like if I want to like start in a really kind of Buddhist, you know, spiritual sense on this podcast today. That says to me that you're a guy who's talking about being in the now. Well, well you know, you you didn't bring your past into it. Here's what I've done and who I am. <laughs> and you didn't bring your future into it you I were just, like this is who I am, I am right now physically I am here but though I'm right. not being very Buddhist I could have said hi my name is Nazim Hussain and I'm here in your sauna slash recording studio though I am not present oh yeah right but I'm, but I'm, but I'm present yeah I like that this has started well already so the second question yeah, okay. that I ask on this oh, podcast is yeah. uh, do you have a philosophy now it, it's acceptable not to have one and yep. it can be about anything I don't know. I probably do. I'll probably work out that I probably do have philosophies about all sorts of things that definitely contradict each other, undermine the previous philosophy that I've just stated. So, look, we'll come to learn a little bit about how inconsistent I am. Well, I like that as well, by the way. Inconsistency in itself, I think, is a really positive thing for people to learn. Is it? Because I think, well, one of the things that I've loved about this podcast and one of the reasons I started it was that I wanted to... My attitude from meeting successful people Mm -hmm. was, or interesting people or whatever people, was that all of them had very different stories and all of them had different priorities. And this message that we get in the mainstream media is that everybody who's in entertainment is like motivated by this thing and everybody who's in politics is motivated by this thing but the truth is that everybody's motivated by very different things and I like here and a lot of those things can be uh, contradictory absolutely and you know sometimes we'll get to that a bit later but I'm often motivated by many different things and uh, someone could say something and it completely just changes or devalues that motivation and all of a sudden I'm like what an arrogant prick I am okay which brings me to this this one philosophy that okay, I was thinking good. about when I was in the cab here and the guy was driving around your neighborhood lost um, but I'm pretty sure I knew the way but he just wanted to rack up a nice taxi fare. Right. You're going to a nice neighborhood. They will take advantage of you. <laughs> I know. I said that to you when I, because I was out the back in my office doing some work and I like sent you a message and I said, look, I've left the front door open. Oh. I've just wandered through and if I'm not in the house, I'm out the back. And then I suddenly went, that is classic white person privilege. <laughs> I know. I've never, I was like, what kind of a safe neighborhood do you live in? Is, I, I, I probably don't live in a neighborhood that safe. I am or, probably being irresponsible. Or it's the absolute opposite. You live in an absolutely trashy neighborhood that there is nothing to steal from your house but 
I'm, I'm, I'm willing to presume that your listeners will know that that's not the case. No. There's a lot of nice stuff in Will's house. And if you can find his place, he leaves the door open. <laughs> He's got lots of nice artwork. <laughs> anyway, so I was thinking about this on the taxi right here. And uh, I was considering Googling philosophies. Oh, nice. Train, but I didn't. You were going to cheat. <laughs> you were just going to get, even know you were gonna get someone else's means. philosophy and use it as your own. <laughs> I know. Like basically what Russell Brand did in Revolution. Did That's he? what. Well, I just. Oh, I mean, it's kind of Marxism, isn't it? Well, it's just a whole bunch of. Right. If you've read Deep Break Chopra and yeah. if you've read. If any you've of, seen V for Vendetta. Right. If you want someone <laughs> to just mash them into. If you want a philosophy mashup. Yeah. Like with, in someone with tight pants and a groovy haircut and knows how to use words. It, just, will he be listening to this podcast? Oh, I'd love if he is. I'd love him to come on. I'd love to talk be, to Russell. Be amazing. He'd we be have amazing. so much. Like, I mean, I have spoken to him before. Yeah. And I, the thing that, like, speaking of contradictions, yeah. right? Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Russell Brand's Russell a good Brand place has to start. Us to contradictions. Most of the things that Russell Brand says in his book Revolution, uh-huh. and most of the things that Russell Brand is talking about publicly at the moment, mm-hmm. I ninety five percent of them agree with right. wholeheartedly. Okay. What is this? Uh, it's just one the, drop of poison in the jar of honey that you are referring to. Well, Russell Brand is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, because he's a rich. Because he's a rich no, I don't even think that. No, no that's fine. Okay, I don't uh, mind uh, that. Like, uh, I like the fact that it is a person in a position of, of privilege. Who is speaking up for those who are less privileged, right? Right, rather than people who are in privilege reinforcing their own privilege, yes. which is the prevailing message in our current day society. I think it's ridiculous that argument that only people within right. a group should speak for that group. True, because people outside, people within a group can always be yeah. uh, directing the conversation, right? And but also yeah. it can be accused from the outside of having special interests. Yeah. Whereas if everybody's like, well, I'm not gay, but I think gay people should be able to get married yeah. because yeah. I think gay people will have equal rights to me, yeah. who was just born a certain way yeah. I should speak for those people who don't have the rights that I have I true, think true right oh, absolutely. yeah I, I totally agree so what, why okay. so, so get to Russell Brown being a contract well I just think the way that he presents the message that is a good message yeah. loses me the way he presents you know he, his presentation well, through, his, through his YouTube videos yeah, through <laughs> you hate YouTube I, I just hate I just wish he would use less words <laughs> and a few less syllables and it could it's just be a British accent, isn't it? It could be a little less about Russell Brand. You know what I mean? Like, well, his surname is Brand. I mean, it is a massive branding exercise. It is a wonderful branding exercise. And he had a book to sell. His brand is Brand. And oh, look, and again, all the profits of the book are going to like to charity or to really? helping you know, working class people or something like. Awesome. I mean, he's not making profits from it. So again, Ooh, I'm man, not. It's hard to fault this guy. I mean, it is hard it's to fault this guy. Tricky, but- right? Okay. And, and yet, I still do, and that's, no, no, but that's a good, contradiction. You're, you're, to me, you got to find very different angles. Okay, so what? Instead, okay. you didn't Google something. You didn't, didn't Google cheat. I was thinking about this. You came up with your own one. I, I was like frantically. It. I, was, I was speaking to my my lady friend uh, last night. Uh, before Is that was, how you have to say it? Lady Is that- friend. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, there's like uh, there's just neon lights every uh-huh. time I think of a lady. So she, um, I was before I went to sleep. We were just we were WhatsApping each other, and she goes, "What are you doing tomorrow?" I said, "Oh, you know, just." Just Will Anderson's podcast in the morning, and uh, she goes, "Oh, cool. What are you going to talk about?" I said, "Oh, just you know, just philosophy. You know, just the, the stuff that I'm, I'm normally pretty good at talking about." And uh, I said, "Hey, what's your philosophy in life?" And she said, uh, "Are you are you literally just crammed?" <laughs> <laughs> so I went to start, so she said, "Good night." She went to sleep. Then I started thinking about this morning in the cab. Yeah. Well, a while back, we were, during Christmas, before Christmas, we went to her. She's now studying teaching. She's, uh-huh. she's doing a placement at a school. We went to her Christmas party. With her teachers, and uh, we went. We ended up sitting next to the principal's wife, who um, is this really nice lady. But she's she freaks out about flying on planes. Like she 
properly. She's terrified. She's petrified. She hasn't traveled in like 30 years and she's, she loves her husband. She wants to travel with him and he loves traveling. So it's kind of this friction in their relationship. Well, you know, they've, they've resolved it in some way. And she said, but then we were talking to her, we're like, what is it about? And she said, I just don't know. I just have this fear that the plane is going to crash. And, you know, I know it's an irrational fear, but I just, it's, it's just it's this control thing that I have and I actually just can't get over it. Um, and we spoke about it for a while and then she ended up concluding herself that she said, you know what? I don't actually know anything about how planes are flown. I don't know anything about the safety precautions that they take. So really, I'm in no position to actually be a control freak. I am not allowed to therefore be a control freak because I'm ignorant. Right. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert. So her rule is... You cannot be a control freak or have or, or really say anything unless you know what you're talking about. And that kind of, in, in a way, resonates with me. Because right. Well, maybe not even you can't say anything, yeah. but you claim, can't claim you can't, to have an absolute expertise. You can't claim to have an absolute expertise or even personally, though. You right. Can't, you can't really, you can't have an anxiety or you can't actually have a hang up over something that you don't know everything about, which is what, which, which I guess at the center of that is the idea of being or is humility, and also, I guess, the pursuit of knowledge. So it's right. those kind of two things that I think that uh, that I really, I respect those two. I like it. This is good. I think this yep. is a really great right. area. Yes! Because firstly, firstly, it has a lot of ramifications for our awesome current day. <laughs> it has a lot of, you can claim that now. Yeah. Uh, it has a lot of ramifications for a debate in our modern day society. Okay. I think you've tapped into something that the reason that people aren't, aren't vaccinating their children, the reason that we're not having a decent uh, climate change policy worldwide yeah. is because people are claiming expertise in areas that they are not experts they in. They have no idea about. Right. But like, then, yeah. you know, I don't know if uh, there is. Well, I know that there's climate change. I think most people admit there's actual climate change. I don't know if man-made factors mm. are affecting that climate change. Here's what I do know: right. that an overwhelming majority yeah. of the people who are experts in that area uh-huh. believe that it's true. Yep. And our society operates on this. Like, we mm. can't operate and we can't evolve as a society mm-hmm. if we don't trust the experts to be experts. I agree. You can question expertise, and mm. we always should. It should yep. be rigorous, yep. right? But th- you can't get on a plane, yep. like, to use that example, yeah, yeah, yeah. unless, like, we get on a plane instinctively because we trust that everybody's done their job. We don't investigate it. We yep. The reason that the pilot comes on, on at the start and says, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to 30,000 feet and we're going to the east, is not because we need that information. To sell his expertise, isn't it? It's to tell us, hey, read your magazine. I'm Someone up here has thought this through. I have a calm voice. You shut the fuck up. Right. And trust me. Right. Which I, I totally respect. And you think about it, if you... if And I think, you know, I'm, we're both comedians and we are inherently and we're taught and we're trained and, and we are supposed to critique and critique assumptions and always just be a little bit skeptical and, sure you know and that's a healthy thing to have but if you were actually like that all the time you would be properly anxious and i don't think i think i was i was reading something about sociology okay. um and about social philosophy and it says that there is a thing called a social fact or just uh, things that are, that are common across all people it doesn't matter irrespective of race religion ideology and that is the inherent idea that we need to trust each other okay yep. if we didn't trust each other we'd actually just break down like if i if you said the tr- you know the train comes at 3 30 and we just didn't trust that idea we would you know question the guy in the box we would you know 
come three hours early, like our whole life of being. It's why things like terrorism are so powerful. Yeah, it was a- like it's why like the Sydney siege, where two people died, very sadly, or three people yeah. died, I think, including the the guy. The guy. Yeah. But but two people died very sadly in that situation. Mm. There are two people uh, dying of domestic violence yeah. a week in Australia. Uh-huh. But the reason the Sydney siege means that thousands mm. of people lay flowers in there and it affects us is yeah. they were doing something that we all do every yeah. day, yeah. and that we wouldn't leave our house without this trust that you can go and buy a coffee yeah. without there being a mad like you know what I mean Correct, yeah. like that's we rely on this yeah. as a society yeah. this idea that we're competing against each yeah. other yeah. is what's holding us back in a lot of ways because the only way that yeah. we achieve what we want in our lives yeah. is to work together with other people well I agree with you I think you know that guy Man Monis really wanted to inspire division and hatred and and sort of cut at and take a stab at that idea of trust amongst absolute strangers. And that's what he did. That's what he tried to do. But what actually happened was that we were, as Australians, we were inspired to actually come together. That idea of trust wasn't wasn't shaken, shook. We were all, you know, the hashtag, I'll ride with you, trended. Ordinary Australians were inspired to reach out and love each other more than hate each other, which, which I thought was just like, yeah, like... You, you have that fear that people are just going to immediately snap and that they're, they're, we're so close to this sort of civil war or just turning on each other. But I think that actually takes a lot more effort and it's unnatural for people. Also, that yeah. most people, like, again, mm. in the way that most Muslims mm. are moderate, yeah. most people... Uh, like aren't going to react like most people don't think that you know all muslims are like that either and that was an opportunity i found it so weird Mm. people don't have to get involved in something like that yeah i i didn't even like tweet about it because i was overseas at the time and i was actually coming back like i I flew as the siege started and landed it it kind of it was all you know it was over so it was a crazy time to be in the air but it was one of those things where the, when all the columnists came out and started yeah. shitting on I'll yeah, Ride With yeah, You, yeah. I was like, yeah. that was just people trying to say to other human beings, yeah. hey, I'm with you. Yeah. Now, maybe, like, I mean, I've read commentary you know, from the like Muslim writers who are like, well, I don't need this. This is patronizing. Yeah. I'm fine with all these ideas yeah, being yeah. out there. Yeah. But I'm also fine, and I'm fine with people going, I don't need it. Yeah. But I'd rather start with the position of yeah. us saying, yeah. hey, mm. If you need me, I'm here. Yeah. In general, in society. Like, you know, if someone's going to punch someone else in the back of their head at yeah. a pub, yeah. that you know, you step in, you say it's okay. Yeah. If some, you know, like a girl should be able to walk the streets by yeah. herself, but if you see someone in a dangerous st- situation, maybe just step in because we're all in this together. Well, my sister, my younger sister, she, she works at a law firm in Melbourne and she, on the day the siege started, she actually texted me and she said, Nazim, I'm scared to go home now. Um, she was a she was a headscarf, yep. and she said, I'm, "I'm scared. I think someone, you know, I feel the same level of anxiety that I did immediately after 9-11. I said, "Just take off the hijab. You don't need to wear it. Like it's not, you know, it's, if, if you're not feeling safe, don't right. wear it." So she took it off, and she went home on the train, and she got home, and then that hashtag started trending, and she started reading the news articles about ordinary Australians saying, "If you're traveling from here to here, I'll ride with you. You know, if you, if anybody feels unsafe, I'm happy to walk with you." And she. You know, she was brought to tears and it kind of made me feel, even thinking about it makes me feel emotional. So then she then felt inspired and strong enough to the next day wake up and put on her hijab again and catch the train because she trusted just random members of the public knowing that even though it's just a hashtag, it comes from a place of wanting to do good. Whether or not people are actually able to then stand up and say something or do anything, that's a different story. But that's Right, but also question. the thing that I would say about it is that 
I think, yeah, and we were just having a, a chat about this on the lawn before we started, but... Um, on your expensive lawn. We've got the uh, extremists, like, you know, you know, who are using religion, yeah. you know, to, as the source of their, like, they're murderers yeah. who want to murder and they've chosen religion to be the, you know, the justification for yeah. murdering people, right? Correct. And we... With this idea that by demonizing that community more and making them feel more apart, that that will somehow make that better, that's going to make that worse. If you're yeah. taking disenfranchised people and disenfranchising them even further. further. Yeah. So even the thing that I liked about that was, because it's not often mm. that you get to say out loud, hey, by the way, mm. m- we don't get to mention this all the time, yeah. but we're glad you're here yeah. and we'd love you to be part of this country mm. and maybe we could all do it together. Again, we've got to do it together. The mm. thing that I always say about the people who are like, if you don't love it here, leave. Yeah. I want people to love it here, yeah. but why, why don't we make them love it here by going, hey, you know how this is like country's really fucking awesome? Yeah. Like our way, like some of our ways might be you know, ways that you will also enjoy. Sure, yeah. Like you don't have to accept all of them. Yeah. Like, but there might be some of our way of life that the reason that you actually came here in the first place it's is exactly because, because of those- you'd heard about that way of life. <laughs> well, that's, like, well, I totally, totally agree with you. Like that's, I mean, in, in obviously radicalization, extremism is there's a, a myriad of reasons why people go become that. But I think one of the, one of the primary reasons is because Australians feel like they are on the margins and then, they have a prime minister that comes out and makes them feel like they are even more on the margins and that their behaviour isn't in accordance with what it means to be Australian and that they are therefore out of the conversation. Their Muslim leaders are forced to condemn and then everybody sort of says, you're not part of us. So they have to congregate on the borders of society and, you know, they form another identity. But if there is a way that you could somehow involve them in the broader narrative and have them under our umbrella somehow and say, look, you know, radical politics is very much an Australian idea. We are critical of the West's intervention in many ways as well. There are segments of Australian society that share the same political views, religiously maybe not. So, like, it's, and, and, and that's kind of what it is as well. We were just talking before about expert ideas, right? And what it means to, to, to ha, ha, when, that you can only be control freak or you can only really say something unless you've, you know what you're talking about. But these guys as well, like radicals and extremists and of any religion or whatever, they believe in many ways that they are being guided and informed by expert opinions as well. Right. Which is which is the scary part, but it's also it's also an interesting thing because you see Osama, Osama bin Laden, right? Like the people people are inspired by what he says because he comes across like a learned man. Just for the record, I'd like to say a big hello to everyone at ASIO who's now hello. tuned into the podcast. We've got a few more listeners. We've just got a few more of the keywords out there early in the podcast. The usernames are all John Smith. Yeah, drones. <laughs> Mosque. <laughs> but it's not a bit loud. Like he, like for for lots of Muslims for, who who are you know fighting the cause overseas in Syria. I don't like to call. I mean, you can call them Muslims loosely because I don't think they clearly follow the tenets of the faith. But they, um, you know, they would think that he's an expert. He knows what he's talking about, right? Um, but you know, similarly, there are other scholars who are present themselves as experts, just like with climate change, which is you know, say to say, say someone like Tony Abbott, he doesn't necessarily agree with the conversation that most progressive Australians have about climate change because he would say, oh, there are other scientists that say that it doesn't exist. So at the end of the day, it's kind of a buyer's market. Right. Um, but so the, how, the how idea you, how of... Decide what is well, consensus? I, well, I guess here's what I would say to this is. I think as a basic tenet yeah. of humanity yeah. that we have to, to survive... Yeah say that firstly that human life is sacred uh-huh. as as much as it possibly can be. True, so there does need to be that underlying agreement that everybody agrees that human life is the most important thing. Right. 
so I think that's a starting position for all, everything. For everyone. Like, you know, because yeah. I, I, I've always been you know, a big yeah. proponent of the right to swing your fist stops at another person's face. You know, you can believe what <laughs> you can believe whatever the fuck yeah. you want to believe. Yeah. The minute it starts hurting somebody else, yeah, then yeah. we'll have a conversation about it, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, then you say, well, wars have been fought over ideology. Uh-huh. You, you might mention, say, Nelson Mandela, yeah. a man who wanted to go the peaceful way yeah. but thought that the injustice that yeah. he was fighting eventually was so bad that they had to become violent, violent and pick up arms. So I'm not saying there's necessarily yeah. blacks and whites in all of these occasions. Yeah. I would draw the line very much... There often are, though, and the right. whites tend to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, surely that's brown and white. So... <laughs> So the thing that I would say is that the minute we're killing innocent yeah. civilians, yeah. that's not a game that any of us should be playing. Mm. We can have a broader debate about the nature of war. True. And I think on both sides, by the mm. way. Yeah. Like I don't think I think we have to have much higher standards well, for our ideas of like when we're bombing when we're like at war with countries or yeah. bombing countries, yeah. this the standards that we hold ourselves to mm. for civilian deaths. I think Every side, because clearly, if you're killing civilians in one country, yeah. again, that's kindling on the fucking fire of the Correct. people yeah, who. I totally agree. And this is going to make me sound like I'm a, an Al Qaeda sympathist, but I'm not. But... Hello to everyone at uh, the <laughs> NSA gonna, who's now listening as well. This is really. There. I've got a few more listeners in Afghanistan and Iraq. <laughs> G'day, my ISIS mates. I'm joking. But I'm um... just going to edit out, but I'm not. <laughs> and ruin your career. But those guys, right? Again, I absolutely despise that brand of ideology. But Osama Bin Laden, the way he inspires people to join his core, or he, he did, and the same same as the ISIS guys now, is they say, look at the way that the West has invaded our land right. and killed indiscriminately hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians in Iraq. You know, we can't passively resist. This is, again, in the, man, in the way that Nelson Mandela took up arms defensively, this is kind of their ideology. So it's sort of like, you know... You, you, Though you, uh, you, 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 I disagree with what they're doing, you can understand how we got to this place. Well, you can understand how... How we, how we got that, to this place. You can understand how, if you want to use this, like the metaphor mm. of the mystery box on MasterChef, mm. Mm. that out of the ingredients they've provided with, yeah. they've been able to cook that cake and people have wanted to eat it. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there yeah. is enough things that have happened yeah. that you can tell that narrative. Yeah, yeah. And also, you can lie a bit yeah, because, yeah. you know, uh, here's the thing. In the West, we would never believe a lie that uh, made us go to a war, oh, apart from the weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Like, I mean, if we're believing that shit, yeah, then of course, you yeah. know, the other side have got their shit that yeah. they're being told that may not be true that they're yeah. using to justify. Exactly. So I think across the world, we have to have a higher standard for what we'll kill someone yeah. for, for a start. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's it. If you are going to kill someone, you need to be across every argument, right. every idea. You need to put yourself in every person's shoe because... Uh, that's, that's, I think, you know, any any other decision. If you're going to go buy a toaster, you can listen to one person's opinion and go, all right, fine. And if it's a battle, if it becomes like a war, an ideological war, then, you know, but, and I guess that what that's what these people think. But as a, you know what? I, I, I like I said, I'm not a religious person. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe in it. Mm. I, I perhaps, you know, mm. feel like that there is some, uh, maybe agnostic. Maybe yeah, like some life maybe force. Maybe agnostic. Yeah, but like a bit of yeah, but it might there might be some life force, or that might just be the universe, or it might be a natural evolution. But I do feel some connection, right. and there are certainly things that I can't explain scientifically. But that mm. I'm also probably smart enough to understand that I can't 
explain them scientifically. Yeah. But at some stage in our evolution, probably somebody will be able to say, oh, that's why we loved or that's why we, you know, felt like this or that's why we had a connection to this or what. They'll all be things that people will be able to, you know, explain to us. Yeah. But but maybe also, you know, that idea of there being, in, you know, I've done psychedelic drugs and stuff where I've had experiences where I felt like, oh, no, there's much more of a, a real connection or an energy connection and those sort of things. Now, that might just be how drugs affect, you know, your brain <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't have a firm sense on any of those things. Mm-hmm. I respect anyone's right to believe whatever they want to believe. Um, but the minute you start killing an innocent person yeah. in the name of your imaginary yeah, thing, exactly, yeah. I start calling them an imaginary thing. Yeah, no, Up no, until no. that point, I'm fine. The thing is, I, th- I think you can yeah. go to a house and like pray to your imaginary thing yeah, and have yeah. fun, and I will respect that. Yeah. And I won't call it an imaginary thing. <laughs> but the minute you start fucking bombing people and killing innocent oh, people, I'm like, oh, by the way, you can't do that about imaginary yeah. thing. Well, I don't think any imaginary thing would be happy that that happens. Right. <laughs> in the name of the, the imaginary thing. <laughs> yeah, and you've imagined a bad thing. <laughs> If you think you're imaginary a thing. Double imagination. There. You're imagining a thing already. Imagine a good thing. Why are you imagining this terrible thing? I hate you mostly for your lack of imagination. <laughs> or that you have too much of an imagination. Oh yeah, that's true. Now, <laughs> but, tell me this. Yeah. Tell me what your like religion where where you're at with your religion and um, you know, how you were raised and so how I've, important it is in your life and tell me that story. I was so I've been raised Muslim my whole life and uh, born and raised Muslim. I think my so born you're raised, from Sri Lanka from Sri Lanka yeah lived in Melbourne my parents split when I was like six so I was mainly raised by my mum uh-huh. um, and she, you know, she she was a religious person kind of in a very this sounds insulting but I mean in a quite a ritual sort of way like she's, an, she's just a sort of simple person she just wants to look after her kids and she just did the things that you know she saw her parents do and teach her yeah I guess when I, I started going to Saturday school and Sunday school ever since I can remember when I was about mid-teens late teens I did really start to question my own faith and what it all means, you know, because you're sort of taught from people who are, again, taught from their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. And when you ask certain questions, I think not, the, well, they, 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 they stress out that, that your faith is being shaken or that you have uncertainty. Right. Because they also probably at some stage ask those questions and knows that there is no decent yeah, answer. No, <laughs> so they're like, oh, please don't ask, please yeah, don't ask that one. Or they themselves <laughs> actually don't really know the answer. Or they think that like, it's actually a bad thing to not know and that faith means to have absolute certainty at all times but I don't so that kind of led me to explore all sorts of basically I just I actually did explore all sorts of different faiths Christianity Judaism Buddhism agnosticism you know like just every all sorts of theologies Um, what uh, what, is there one I have not read enough of all those things or like explored enough of all those things to have I, um, my own opinion on it. Yeah. But I imagine there is like some tenants. Yeah. And if I, if I had to guess, it would be like, yeah, the golden rule, do unto others yeah. as you would have them do unto you. But I imagine there are certain tenants that yeah. are pretty much universal to all of those things, yeah, do you think? I'm by no means a theologian. No. But definitely, like what you said before, like sanctity of human life, I think all religions preach. And I don't think, I think, you know, the ones that have stood the test of time and are still selling, like 
it's about life. You're protecting each other, loving right. each other. And well, it's a bad consumer model to kill your exactly. customers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if it's going to be a buyer's market, you need to have some buyers. Right. I mean, no one would buy the iPhone 7 if you only had it for six weeks and then you died. By the way, it doesn't call, it doesn't make phone calls. Oh, actually, some people would buy it. Some people would line up for it. Just for Apple diehards, <laughs> literal Apple diehards. Yeah, just don't bag Apple. You're going to lose a lot of followers. I oh, know. This one might go up on iTunes mysteriously. The only people listening out at the NSA and ACO. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes sent them a version. Shit, I might get fast tracked into the states next. Time. <laughs> I did get to Tampa for four hours. That's another story. But yeah, so I guess um, that kind of whole pers- phase of my life did lead me back to Islam, and maybe that's because when you grow up with something, that's maybe I don't know. I think there's something that maybe it becomes part of your DNA. That's maybe where your your your, your psychology by default is what you are when you're in your formative years. Right. I'm not going to put words in your mouth because I'm sure you have a very different, more personal experience to it. But from an outsider's point of view, like I would uh, put forward the idea that that has a nicer message to it, which is this, that most of those things are probably like everyone's looking for the same thing from them. But culturally you grow up with one and that one feels more comfortable to you because, you know, and I think that just the only reason I say that is not about you because yeah. your experience would have been very personal to yourself and I'd like to hear about it. Yeah. But I mean more in a sense of why are we going like, why is someone, I always find it weird yeah. that the really religious person yeah. in America, yeah. like the Christian person is like, has a problem with the really religious like Muslim person when I'm like, no, you guys have heaps in common. Exactly. Well, you both totally. like believe in this thing that isn't true. <laughs> I've got to stop saying that. That may be true. That may be... By the end of this, there, I may convert No, <laughs> if there is a thing that is true, yeah. then surely all those things yeah. are us in our tiny human minds yeah. trying to interpret mm. this higher God I, force I, I, I or think thing if, or whatever. The one thing that maybe is true amongst all religions and ideologies is that pursuit. I think that's what it is, actually. Probably, you know, obviously, religions sell sanctity of life. But I think, for me, Islam is about that pursuit of truth. More so than it is about anything that is certain. Okay, interesting. You know, I so, like that. So, like, I, I think, you know, the Quran is there. There's, I was talking to Waleed Ali. I'm mm-hmm. name dropping. Sure. But this is the other day. And, he, and we were talking a little bit about um, Ali, who is, this, who is the fourth leader after the Prophet Muhammad died. Okay. And he, uh, there was a dispute as to uh, someone was assassinated and then there was a dispute as to what they should do with this person. Should they kill him? Should they this or that and the other? And someone said, no, it's clear what's in the Quran. That's what God intended. And then Ali picked up the Quran and said, oh, so, so that's what the Quran meant? Is that what God meant? And then he said, here's a Quran, let it talk. And then everyone was like, what are you, what are you making? Like, what, what, that's so stupid. But that's, his point was that religion is like Islam or religion is that pursuit. It's that pursuit of reason. It's a pursuit of thought. Like it's really about trying to find that truth. And it's all about interpretation and making sense of your surroundings Everything is culturally relevant. Without that cultural relevance, nothing makes sense. So that's kind of, for me, what Islam has become. Like, it is about approaching truth. You, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. It's good. This, so is, it's, this is fascinating. So there is, there is really, like, uh, you know, as much as some people say, this is what Islam says, uh-huh. it, there is, it is clear that you can, do, you can arrive at certain conclusions based on source text, but at the same time, everything, absolutely everything, is an interpretation of God's will. Nothing is clearly God's will in Islam. And once I understood that, I felt a lot freer following Islam, knowing that, you know, 
just because some guy says something doesn't necessarily mean that that is what it is. There are many other, there are a myriad of interpretations and there are other, there are as many paths to that truth as there are aspirants or people that are trying to, trying to find that truth. So yeah, that, that felt for me like I could go, you know, I could critique, I could, um, I could question things that didn't make sense to me. Um, and yeah, so I'm evolving as a Muslim day in, day out. And I'm, I'm also finding doubt and certainty in, along the way. It's really interesting to me. Tell me, uh, Sorry. what do you think happens when we die? Oh, God! Why, why is this important? Can I ask why that's important? I, well, I just like to ask people what they think. But can I ask why that's important? Well, because here's yeah. the thing. I don't like to be closed-minded. I even feel bad before that I was but, but, joking about like the imaginary no, no, no. things. But I, 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 because I because I don't know. Like I've, I've talk, spoken I, about this publicly is that like you talk about your idea of expertise. Yeah. This is something yeah. that I clearly can't ever know what the answer True, to it is until I, I die, right? Similarly, but why is that question important though? I like to hear what people think. Yeah, but... Yeah. I like to know if people are interested why, in it. Why, I like why, to know as, if it as, motivates as, you. As a human, yeah. why is that important? Like, I'm not just... This is not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing you. I just want to know why it is that that... Well, here's what I would say. Important. It's not important to me. Well, it's not important Because I, I, I live my life like yeah. when I die, yeah. I, what I assume happens is I will be dead and yeah. that, that will be it. True. So that's, and that's really my genuine... Okay. Yeah. Like, point of view. I'm not haunted by it or terrified by it or I just have a real sense of like, you know, I'll live until I die and then when I'm dead it won't matter either way because I'll be dead. But And you're guided by mor- morals that, I don't know, you, you are guided by your own, like you're guided by a, like a worldview that you believe yeah, is principled. I guess so, yeah. I mean, like I, I definitely have like a whole, and which is an interesting area when it comes to things like, you know, religion. Because sometimes yeah. you'll have people like, well, if you don't have religion, yeah. how do you have like morals? And I say, yeah. well, I have empathy. Yeah, I think I like, try to live yeah. as a human being and like understand other people's struggles and how yeah. like and not be just completely self-involved. Okay, well, I'll tell you something before I get to your answer. Like, okay, this is another thing that Islam says, but also a lot of other faith, and this is kind of a universal idea. But Islam also says it. It says that if you are to live, say, on a hypothetical desert island, and there was no person there that could teach you about religion or this, that, and the other, Islam dictates that you will naturally have an inclination towards accepting that there's a creator, right? right. So that's a, a basic tenet uh-huh. of the faith, that there is a God, uh-huh. right? If you ponder, that's what Islam says. Sure. Secondly, that you will come to uh, understand morals and ethics and principles anyway, and that is by listening to yourself. By finding yourself, you find God. And so they say there's a, a thing called a sheikh, which is like an imam or a priest, uh-huh. and they say if you don't have a sheikh, if you don't have someone that, like a, someone that can guide you spiritually, listen to yourself because that is that, that kind of your natural... What do you call it? Your right, yeah. feeling. Yeah. What you think is right is probably right, which is problematic when you're mental. Right. <laughs> but, um, right. That is, but that is the problem. But that's because the problem. when you think that God's yeah. talking to you and telling you terrible things, <laughs> you're suddenly like, hang on. Right. But, but this is when you are completely, yeah. you, you have your own ideas by yourself yeah. on an island. But, you know, so... You know, I don't really know what that says. It sort of says it like, you know. See, I would hope on if I was on an island by myself, yeah, yeah. I would really hope there is no God because I would be doing a lot of masturbating. <laughs> like heaps. So I'd be terrified that God was God's watching. Just not watching you. Or just like, bro, I've seen it all. Like, I've seen it all. It's like I've a, created that. It's like God looks down. He's like, that is a Caribbean island. There should be, there, should, there shouldn't be snow on those. Tra- oh, that's not snow. This is. That's just this Will. Is terrible. That's Will Island. Oh. <laughs> I looked at what I created and I was repulsed. <laughs> Will slopes, but um, oh, um, look, I do think I do think when you die. Well, I don't. This is, 
I think when you die, that um, you meet your creator, mm-hmm. and uh, that you are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. Well, this is this is where you are held to account. You're held to account for what you have done, good and bad. So okay, so that's an interesting thing. This then because yeah, this then because yeah. I will tell you this. I had an experience when I was doing the drug DMT. Have you ever heard of that drug? I've never heard. It's of like that. ayahuasca. It's What's a thing that people do for the purpose of like it, ayahuasca is a Peruvian thing, and people right. call it the work, mm-hmm. and they go into these like psychedelic states. And some people believe that we're communicating with other dimensions. Other people believe that it's a connection with the spirits that are through the plants and things like that. Okay. Other people believe it's just you know it's drugs in your brain and whatever but people have very spiritual you know so often people feel like they experience their own death what it what it feels like to die they do in brazil right the jungles of brazil yeah they do all yeah so it's all that same vibe right so so i one time i did it and um i experienced what felt like me experiencing my own death and when and when you say you meet your creator right look i had an experience with that where here's here's what it felt like it felt like i could feel like i was you imagine a globe spinning like the earth Uh is spinning really 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 quickly and you feel like you're part of it and then you feel like it slowed down Mm -hmm. and then i just eased out of it and like my energy came out of being on like the planet and kind of just like was in like the universe like floated out and then i was just like done and it did feel like i was meeting some like but not in any sort of like all right now i have a list of good and bad things you've done Number one, <laughs> masturbation. That time on that island. <laughs> this is. Let's uh, talk about chapter Will's Island. Yeah, to be honest with you, uh, that's number one through ninety-eight on our list. Is your time on that island? <laughs> We'd never seen someone fuck a, fuck a coconut before. <laughs> a box of Kleenex a day. Come on, right? <laughs> trees. <laughs> I invented tissues and bowling. So what? So what? So you? So you came out of that. Did that yeah. change permanently your perspective on anything? No, no, not really. Because I mean, look, you know, I'm I, I'm very open minded mm. in that if we discovered like tomorrow, yeah. you know, that there is a god and his yeah. name's Larry and he lives here and right. like everyone's like, well, that's I'll be like, okay, yeah, hey, Larry, I feel like I try to live a good life regardless right. because well, that, I, think, I mean, and to be honest, like I don't know, uh, like there is probably I'm sure there are like. It, it makes you a different person if you believe or if it doesn't in some way. Maybe it does instruct your behavior in some way. Right. But I think at the end of the day, if you're a good person, you're a good person. And I don't know if it really matters. Like, if you are genuine in your pursuit and you don't find God, well, then what doesn't matter to me if I believe and you don't? Like, it doesn't matter. You're doing your thing, I'm doing mine. Right. But it becomes, like you said, when I, what was that rule that you said before? The, the, the right to punch, swing your fist yeah, stops right. at another person's yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It. Like when when that happens, then then we then we should have a chat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want to talk about. You said uh, you were at a teacher's. Uh, actually, yes. you know what? Let's just have a quick pause. Okay. Cool. Uh, you said uh, we had a little break and we talked about a lot of interesting things, but we had to keep stopping conversations because we thought they'd be good things for the podcast. Yeah, uh, water. One of the things that you said, uh, which I really wanted to go back to, uh-huh. um, is the idea about us having a conversation. Yeah. Like it's, we don't get a lot of opportunity to have a conversation with someone who is religious and yeah. does believe and well, someone who... Well, similarly for a Muslim, for, for a religious person, I guess, to, to speak to, I think it's the idea that a religious person and an atheist or a non, an irreligious person just can't get on. Right. can't have a conversation anyway. And for, for it to be a normal, happy, 
funny conversation. But that's also such a weird thing when it comes to this idea that like you have to have everything in common with people that you like. Yeah. Like most of the people I really like, I have like heaps of things not in common with. <laughs> like Amy like believes in ghosts. Like believes in them. <laughs> and I'm like the yeah, But you know what? I'm not going to laugh because I've seen scary movies right. and then I think I But she shit. but also she thinks it's stupid that I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> like she's like of course ghosts are real. <laughs> and I'm like they're not fucking real. And she mocks me all the time. It's like she'll be watching some ghost thing and she's like well apparently this isn't real is it <laughs> but imagine if you just hang out with people who believed exactly the same things that you did you'd, well so I think that that's a mistake in our society yeah. that people do do that mm. and also a mistake that we make with new communities mm-hmm. where they become ghettos because yeah. we don't ask them yeah. we don't we don't ask them to assimil- assimilate well, or we put them in an area True. and then they're around the same ideas and the same, same people kind of, well a lot of people say oh you know those, those ethnic ghettos, those enclaves, they just don't assimilate with everyday Australians. But then you think about it, there are lots of white enclaves. It's called, like, the rest of Australia. If you go to... Mate, it's yeah, called mate. this suburb. It's called, it's called this suburb. Half, but I love this Mate, enclave. like, seriously, there would have been, like, you know, there would have been, like, 20 people, like, on your cab ride who called their security just because you've come into this this area, mate. Me and the cab ride, we, we were just wide-eyed, mouth-open, wow, steal their bins. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they have so many bins? No, they all have like four bins. They actually separate from, you know, that you guys do the recycling thing properly. That's one thing ethnic people don't do. We do not separate. Sorry about that. I'm just out at everybody. Ironically. Right. Oh, you won't separate your recyclings, but you stay in your own areas in society. Hey, we eat our own food. Speak our own accents, but um, but I but that is this. Yeah, I think that we uh, uh, increasingly these days mm. live in echo chambers. Mm-hmm. You echo know. chambers, I like. Right, you know, well, yeah. It, this idea of like you know that you're preaching to the choir, that mm. you're just reinforcing the ideas that people already have. Mm. What okay. are, what are the pe- like what are, what are, are the best things that you get out of your religion? Like what are the things that you go? This is this is why mm. other than believing, yeah. like you know, which yeah. is in itself yeah. something, yeah. Because oh. I do think that we need to believe in things. Yeah. I don't want people to get the idea that I don't believe in yeah. things. Like, I believe that the Western Bulldogs will still win a premiership in my lifetime, even though <laughs> they haven't been in a grand final it's since so 1961. Cute. That's an imaginary idea. I have faith in imaginary <laughs> ideas, you know, well, and I- I'd be wrapped if it did actually happen. <laughs> well, look, one of the things, I, you know, I believe in a God that says you should do good, and if you do good you are fulfilling the purpose of your life. Right. So when I do good and I, you know, I, I which is a nice idea regardless, which is a nice idea. Right. Right. And I know like people who disagree with God, disagree with God vehemently, but uh, well, me, some people do. Some and people I do. think that we have a responsibility. This yeah. is, again was another thing yeah. we were talking about off air. The ardent atheist. Yeah, the now, ardent atheist. Sometimes I understand the ardent atheist. If you were a person who was involved in a religion and there was something terrible that happened in that and then yeah. later in life you have this discovery, maybe you go the other way. Uh-huh. But if you're not yeah. and you're an ardent atheist anyway... Or an anti-theist... Then I fucking hate you. Look, I... Like, <laughs> Seriously, Look, it's not even spend the- your time on something productive. <laughs> I don't believe in the fucking tooth fairy, but I haven't started a fucking blog about the tooth fairy, and I don't tweet about the tooth fairy every day, and I don't look up fucking messages about the tooth fairy on Twitter, and then go, "Oh, your tooth fairy isn't real." Do something productive with your fucking life. But, but I mean- Do you want to come to my atheist meeting? No. The reason I didn't want to be religious is they have fucking meetings all the time. It's Sunday morning. Like now we're early. having a meeting about something we don't believe in. 
At least the people who are having the Sunday meetings believe in something. They're having a meeting but, you know, okay, but celebrating their belief. <laughs> We're having a meeting celebrating the fact we don't believe in something. These are the things we do not believe in this week. No, but like now, modern, modern atheism is, is anti-theism, which is like the affirmative belief in not something. But um, it's not even that. I don't have a problem with that belief system. It's more a, a cool modern attitude that certain people who are against religious communities or people in communities who do bad shit, like it's that. It's like people are like, oh, Christianity is so blah, and it's just this cool idea to make fun of Christianity because certain Christians do some pretty terrible things. But you're not going to tarnish the whole religion because a KKK did some things or because some priests molested some boys. Like... Yeah, you can, but I don't think. Like, I don't think if you're a religious person. Well, right? I think we should rule that line True. in general. Right. And again, this was a conversation yeah, yeah. we had off air. But like, let's just rule the line at the start. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what? Yeah. I understand that perhaps if we can evolve to a world where we don't have religion or that we all kind of like have a humanist religion or that we represent God in a unified world, I'm not sure what any of those things would yeah. be. But maybe that would be a better world to operate in where people didn't disagree so vehemently about these like basic tenets, sure. right? But it's not happening in our lifetime. Uh-huh. So how do we get better along and evolve? Like, firstly, mm. let's just rule out bad behavior and take the religion out of it. Yeah, exactly. Stop like, killing innocent people. Like Stop innocent fucking people. kids. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're in an entertainment like Rolf Harris or yeah. if you're in the fucking Catholic Church. Yeah. Let's just say we have a no fucking kids policy, <laughs> right? That's a good policy. Yeah, that's a policy just across the board. And the thing is, like, if you religious have, or not religious, religious don't not fuck religious. a kid. If you're an atheist, don't fuck a kid. Right. If you're a Muslim, don't fuck. Like, I think also, like, if you're if you're actually so passionately anti-religion, um, I don't think you're ever actually going to convince a, a person who believes out of their faith because. You you make fun of their faith in that way. Like that's not going to inspire someone to go. You know what? That angry tweet about Jesus has really gotten to me. that. Turn me around. Yeah, turn me around. I, like I've never. When was the last time? I you- never really. Yeah. I, oh, you know what? I never really thought about it that way. <laughs> but have you ever like been convinced of something because you've argued with someone? Like, have you ever taken their side or or genuinely gone? Hmm. Because someone's really angrily argued with you. I've never actually. No, I mean it's the it's the opposite. Anytime you have a debate that isn't actually a debate, it's just like a left wing and a right wing. It's just people just arguing right. with each other. It's just people reinforcing their own pro- yeah, positions. Speaking to your own audience or right. like in your own echo chamber. Right, and this is why it's so stupid when for the idea of balance, for example, on a climate change debate, yeah. they will have a climate change like scientist, yeah. and then they'll have a climate change denier, yeah. who are two people at the opposite ends, yeah. and one of them also is not an expert in any way. Yeah. If you you want to get a balance on get like a climate change expert and maybe someone who's a climate change expert but also like has some doubts about you know yeah. some models or whatever but that's that's actually a debate you could have and we could learn something from it True. and we could get a better position you know but the aims of that kind of that kind of binary thing is just to present completely different perspectives it's not re- there's no end goal to say we will reach something right it's kind of like look and, and not, i'm not it's not to say that because well, then they can't do it again next thursday exactly do you I mean, mean like tune in next thursday they can't yeah, they can't tune in on the third week of sunrise <laughs> straight after the cash cow and they get like a, Palestine, a Palestinian and an Israeli and they fucking shake hands and high five and work it out at the end that's not well on that like uh, this is not to say that I'm against the idea of speaking to your own and empowering your own like every no that's good as well exactly well every kind of like social change in history has happened because like a small bunch of people empowered themselves got angry together and then they affected change like from the black power movement in America to Nelson Mandela to Gandhi to everywhere like even in Palestine so yeah protests people are like oh what's the point of a protest it's rare that anyone ever mentions a white guy because we've never been the people who've <laughs> 
Wait, just, the, just what happened in Ireland? I don't yeah. know. It's a boring history, white and white, whatever. <laughs> Do you remember that famous time in history where the white guy had to overthrow all the black and brown? (laughs) Remember that? Remember? Anybody? But, um... Yeah, so, like, you need to. Like, I I go to protests. Even, like, my Fear of a Brown Planet, right? Like, that comedy show was for people that kind of already believed and accepted what we had to say. So... That's interesting to me. Let's talk about that. So, you were in a uh, comedy group... Fear of Brown Planet. Yes. And, you know, my, my political... Uh, my, my approach to politics is often like that. Just say the things that you believe and people that accept what you have to say will often accept what you have to say and then they'll retweet you and be angry together with you. And that's not, a bad, that's not such a bad thing. Like, if you're from an angry, pissed-off community and you don't get to say things on TV or in newspapers, being together in a room and just yelling together is pretty cathartic. Right. You know? You're not convincing anybody outside of that room. But together, at least you feel like, yeah, I'm not alone. There are right. other people with us. This is like going to Western Bulldog supporters exactly function. Exactly right. <laughs> a lot of people sit together in the, in the crowd, you know? Right. Because like you just want to be amongst people who have the same yeah. colours and... Ah! Right. It's a football match. It's a battle. Yeah. Um, and, and when you're, you know, so... When you, so that's what Fear, Fear Around, that kind of comedy was about, you know, just being able to vent together about things that normally piss you off and make you sad, but being happy about them. And you know what? I think that's good because... Just like protests, right? You're marching down the street. You're, you're probably the only people listening. But people that see you might want to step into your world. And also, they can at least understand that there is that perspective out there. Well, you know? here's what I will say. Like, And again, this this has ramifications across our society. And it nicely weaves into some of the things we've been talking about. Which is the idea of that we're afraid to listen to people yep. anymore. Mm-hmm. That sometimes uncomfortable ideas, you yeah. know, things that make us feel uncomfortable. Particularly yeah. from a, a position of privilege. Yeah. Like I was saying this in regard to y- yes or women. Like, you know, when that w- was happening on the the internet. So basically it was just women telling their stories of like, you know, all these things that, right. you know, happen to okay. all women. Like, you know, like having to walk, that idea of having to walk to right. your car with Sexual your car keys in your hand and like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And basically what you found was there was, yeah. you know, millions of women all over the world sharing stories. And you were like, oh my God, like all these women have this like same experience of this thing that I've never had to think about once because yeah. I'm a white man. Yeah. Now, what you then find is white men trying to rebut some of the things. Right. Right, not all men, right? Yeah, 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 but yeah. my thing was like, I just listen because even some of the things made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was like, well, I would never think that, or I would never do that, or I would never like you know, accept a world where I felt like that was happening around me or whatever. Mm. But like, it's I, when I first went to see you guys yeah. do your show, I remember I it was that. in uh, you it was came Andrew Andrew, I came with Andrew Denton. God, imagine having Will Anderson. Anybody, imagine having Will Anderson, Andrew Denton in the crowd watching you. But you're starting out. But one of my, you had the loudest laugh. You have a very distinct <laughs> loud laugh. And um, and I, I remember when we came off, we're like, man, we'll really enjoy that show. <laughs> <laughs> I did, re- I did really enjoy the show. But the thing that I like enjoyed the most about it, and the thing that I kind of, as an audience member, enjoyed was that I was hearing some things that made me feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and that I was hearing some things that made me want to like respond. I was like, well, I'm not like that. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, I want to, but I want to know mm. what's pissing yeah. you off yeah. and your community yeah. off, and what because. That's the, the men who want to argue against yes or women, mm. right? If you want to like if, if, ignore yes or women, yeah. that's fine. But 
All those women, here's the biggest clue of all time. Women just told us a massive clue on what pisses them off. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we want to listen to them and help them with those things? Wouldn't that help us get along better with women? And in the same way as if I hear the things that piss you off, what your concerns are, you know, what your life is like, then surely I have a better insight into, you know, like... Well, totally I mean, like- I was reading Kurt Fernley's book. Do you know who Kurt Fernley yeah. is? He's a wheelchair athlete. Right. Um, he is ha- our greatest ever marathoner, Australian, Australian wow. guy. Okay. He's won a bunch of gold medals at Olympics. He's won the like New York Marathon like five okay, times. Rub it in that I, I don't know this guy and I really should. No, no, but <laughs> great guy. Yeah, okay. But I read his book, and there were certain things that I from reading his book that I was like, okay, he won't like, you know, don't. Uh, offer to help him in this way or don't uh, say this or whatever because they, they are things yeah and they're things that I want to know right. he's my friend I'm yes. inviting him to my house uh-huh. I want to know how to best welcome my friend to my house yeah. of course I do mm. and he's just given me a clue he's told me in his book women are telling me in Yes or Women mm. how they want to be treated you're telling me in that comedy yeah. show how you want to be treated now what I what do with that information is then up to you up to me yeah but you shouldn't be, as you were saying. But why would you why not would you listen? Immediately get defensive, right? And let's take this back to what we were talking about before. Ideally, ideally, this is this is a stretch. Maybe comedy can can solve the world, the world's problems. Like imagine. That's what I'd like to think. Imagine. And now this podcast is going to cost twenty five dollars an episode. <laughs> Because once you start solving the world's problems, you have to start a business model and a religion. So welcome to Williontology. <laughs> Williontology. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I'm getting a cut. But yeah. imagine, imagine if there was a, a stand-up comedy show where members of ISIS got up on stage and ranted about things that really pissed them right. off. Like, at least we'd understand. I'm happy for them to bomb on stage. <laughs> that's what I want to say to ISIS. We're happy for you to bomb on stage. <laughs> if you really want to bomb, we've got a few saying? rooms we can right. recommend. <laughs> we'll, we'll take you to a lunchtime uni gig. If you want to bomb, you've never bombed like a lunchtime uni gig. There'll be a guy oh, down man. the front trying to do his homework. On the grass. It'll be mostly the international students so that you might be able to have some lo- local stuff. <laughs> But that's kind of what it is. Like, I think, yeah, people who don't have the mic, um, that's what comedy does. And right. that's what th- this, these hashtags are. It gives them an opportunity to go, you don't listen to us normally? Here, we're going to just well, say what we need to say. it's a voice for the voiceless, isn't voice it? Voice for the voice. I mean, this is the thing about yes or women. The reason that we haven't heard women saying these things yeah. is because that the media, the yeah. mainstream media, yeah. the mass media has been controlled by a certain type of person. Don't talk about and Jewish it, people like that. And yeah. Oh... <laughs> Edit point. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that in. Uh, no, it's it controlled by white men mostly, yeah. right? And the sort of women that they would let through, or the sort of like, uh, you know, you know, ethnic diversity they would yeah. let through would be the people they chose, oh, and they would be able to have a certain voice. Yeah, they were, the, you know, Ernie Dingo was the acceptable Aboriginal. Yeah, really do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, he was the because the he wasn't going to get on TV and suddenly do a yeah, rant about like Marbo or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going to be halfway through an episode of The Great Outdoors and then suddenly talk about native title. You know, make exactly. things uncomfortable. Make all the white viewers right. guilty. Yeah, so do an Invasion Day special of fucking Getaway. <laughs> invasion Day specials don't rate, I don't Right, think. no, it's just terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but these days, because of podcasts, because of, uh, you know, the internet, because of, like, social media, because of all those things, you know, people, uh, people, people have a voice. Yeah. 
I agree, I totally agree. So this is uh, why I need to have a Muslim comedy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just rebutting Will Anderson. Muslism up. Muslism up. <laughs> Muslism up. <laughs> Muslism up. Oh, but what we'll do in my podcast is yep. we'll play your podcast and then pause it and go, <laughs> Will says he doesn't believe in a God. All right, one, two, and three. Let's go. Right. <laughs> I would love that. I would love like a religious rebuttal of my podcast, like an, off- an offshoot. <laughs> I don't like to think it's an anti-will. That would be the most flattering thing. But you just go by, you use it as like, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of something you do being used as like, I think they use, I've never seen them use it, but I get messages from students and stuff that they use Gruen for like in advertising and marketing courses at uni. And so I'd love to be like where they take bits out and then people are discussing what we're trying. Analyze it. And then I'd just be in the back like, bullshit. (laughs) I just thought that was a funny joke. Then you have to do an anti-my podcast, which would just get meta. No, no, no. Because here's the thing. Like I, mm. I, and it goes back to your initial premise, mm-hmm. your initial philosophy, which is I don't consider myself an expert. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that I'm doing is asking questions. I just like to hear what people say so I can listen. Mm. And I will take bits from what you've said today and I'll take bits from, mm. you know, Kurt when he came and did the podcast and I'll take Kurt? bits from Kurt Fernley, the guy, yeah, the wheelchair yeah, yeah, athlete. That's right, that's yeah, right, Kurt Fernley. Yep, yep, Have yep. you forgotten him already? No, 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 no. no, no. Two just insults. Wanted, just wanted the audience to hear his name because so they too could learn his name. Right. And um, they all know his name because they heard the podcast. Yeah, they well, they and, can't respond and say yes. Right. Yes, we do. Well, we've, uh, we've just put that question on our citizenship test, so I'm sorry. Uh, Are you serious? Go back to where you can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Leave this posh suburb. This is, this is actually, yeah. Uh, I mean, the citizenship test for this, po- for this suburb. We've, we've brought in our yeah, own. There were a couple of guys in high-vis vests at the top of your street. Yeah, that's boards. right. They're, they're the border guards. <laughs> <laughs> we've got... We've got the same guys from Manice Island in our suburb. There are some choppers above your house, but actually, weirdly enough, this uh, suburb is uh, predominantly the like the cultural influence here is South African Jewish people. Are you serious? Yeah, so a massive oh. influx of South African Jewish people left South Africa and uh, came out and lived here. During so, the apartheid. so during Christmas when we were playing South Africa cricket, it was quite a complex Ooh. place to. I was like, <laughs> Ooh, good. What about rugby as well? Me. Yep. Um, so uh, uh, I want to go back to this idea of uh, that I'm not an, I'm not an expert, yeah. and so I wouldn't like the idea of rebutting. Like, mm-hmm. is to me mm-hmm. something that mm-hmm. I wouldn't waste my time doing because all I'm ever saying to someone is, "Here's what my perspective on yeah. that is." Yeah, you know, I, I've always been a bit nervous of that idea that anyone who tells you they've got all the answers, mm-hmm. they're the ones you've got to look out for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm happy well, for someone to go. Well, here are some of them, and here are some questions you might want to ask. Well, what but happens- anyone who tells you here are the rules and is- this is the one way, they're the ones I'm so- suspicious. What happens if there's a guy who is com- com- clearly ignorant? Why right? does it have to be a guy? And- <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's clearly ignorant guy, and people that and, and he's gaining profile in the community. Yes, he's clearly problematic and he's causing problems. Mm. Would you rebut that guy? Yeah, if he had a following and people were like, "Yeah, oh, no, he's charismatic." I love no, him. I do. That, that, yeah? I would. Yeah. So then, you- Fred Nile's a good example. Fred Nile. Yeah. yeah. Abbott, even yeah. Well, I'll rebut. I'll, 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 I'll rebut them on shit that I know better. Like that, I feel like I have. You know, yeah. Okay, Obama. Obama seems like a sacred cow to a lot of people. Okay, because, sure. Because charismatic. Yeah. But not in America, by the way. Like living saying, in America, he's not a sacred cow yeah, in okay. any way. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I have anything. To say but I think Obama. worldwide, you're right. His yeah. his international reputation is much better than his. He got a Nobel Peace Prize. Right. He's the opposite of the Indian cricket team. Like, he is terrible at home, but he's great on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
you're going to say that like when no one likes him. <laughs> like, everybody likes him and they yeah. don't like the Indian cricketer. Um, yeah, like he's totally charismatic, but someone like him with that kind of stuff, like he could do all sorts of dumb stuff if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, Terry, sure of course. Would, yeah. And people have in history. Yeah. Well, yeah, the well, first thing he did okay. was drone Pakistan. That was one of the first things he did. I think you ha- do have a responsibility to point yeah. out. See, this is the thing that I... I'm, I'm, not, saying, I'm, I'm not saying I hate him, I'm just saying, well... No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. Mm. And this is why I've never been aligned to a political party. Yeah. And because my views are probably... Most people, if they wanted to label them, would say they were progressive. Yeah. Although, like, you know, not in every area. Yeah. Um, I've never, like, you know, I get asked to do things for, say, the Labor Party or the Greens or right. whatever, and I will never do them. Because I am, <laughs> because I am, yeah, for less than one, because I don't pay like the Liberals, and I live in a very nice suburb. <laughs> I've got to pay the pool guy. So I'm not doing fucking Labor Party functions. Uh, no, um, I, I, I've never aligned myself to a political party right. because I have things that are important to me yeah. and I want to be able to say, so for example, when the last Labor government were in, mm-hmm. two things that I'm very passionate about myself mm-hmm. is uh, firstly our uh, the way that we treat refugees right. and our responsibilities towards people who are seeking asylum mm-hmm. and the second one is gay marriage. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I just mm-hmm. believe in you know, human rights that yeah. one person shouldn't have more than the other person yeah. you know, because of the way that they're born. Yeah. So there are two things I was very passionate about and there are two things that the last government were yeah. terrible on and I always reserved the right and did went after them hard yeah. like I had a question cut out of a pre-record on the project because I thought I was too really? mean to Julia Gillard Ooh. because Julia Gillard had been hanging out with Alan or it was the day Alan was in this you know, country and there was 35,000 people at her show and Gillard was still banging on about how she wouldn't bring in gay marriage and I was like "How she's married to an Australian how do oh. you greet this international superstar yeah. and say oh by the way your marriage to our Australian doesn't count when you're here God. like it's yeah. it's outrageous it's, it's old fashioned and I think you need to be able to go after mm. yeah what you believe or what you mm. you know think is important, mm. no matter who's saying it, mm. right? Mm. So I, I never think you should choose sides in that way. But okay, I, I want to flip that question back mm. on you yeah. because in your community, mm. that's something that mm. people from the outside yeah. always say. Mm. You know, because why don't the good Muslims still the bad Muslims to stop doing the bad things? Right, like there's a journalist for the I don't know if you call her a journalist. She writes for the Sydney Morning Herald or the Daily Telegraph. I'm not really sure. Who is it? Rita Panahi. Oh yeah, okay. So I think she, the so the she, Herald Sun in Melbourne, so the Telly in Sydney. Daily Telegraph. Yeah. She she wrote uh, an opinion piece, uh, uh, basically saying that moderate Muslims, which is a term that I find a little bit questionable, but anyway, because you know. Muslims. Muslims, Muslims yeah. Like, yeah. Mainstream Muslims. Yeah, mainstream Muslims, Muslims. Muslims who just, you know, yeah. hey, the taxi driver guy. As long as we're going to say moderate Christians and moderate, like, you know. <laughs> you know but moderate has a sort of sense of, like, Australian. that they're the small ones. Yeah, like, the small you know, ones. Yeah. Or they follow just a bit of it. You yeah. Know? It's just yeah. <laughs> Muslim light. Muslimish. <laughs> Fat free Muslim. Yeah. You're Muslimish, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 99% Muslim free. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So Are she- you halal certified? <laughs> because that's a dangerous area. <laughs> well, she said, she said basically extremists are going to keep doing extreme stuff until. Muslims tell non-Muslims sorry tell tell the bad Muslims to just take it easy right which is like ridiculous because firstly we've been doing that forever like since 9-11 the Muslim community has been saying excuse me we condemn everything everything bad that I was on the Islamic Council of Victoria for like seven years which is the peak Muslim body in Victoria and every time someone did something overseas we would immediately we had a template we literally had a template we would just fill in the, the, the place and where it was and just say we unreservedly condemn these actions they do no in no way represent the community here and have nothing to do with islam and blah blah blah. put it out but if no one wants to listen that's not our fault you know that's i mean it's one of those things isn't it where it's like like no one asked me for a fucking statement on bill cosby (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and no one's like, when is Will Anderson going to put out his statement condemning, yeah. condemning Bill Cosby what? publicly? Exactly. But look, if, as a member of the comedy community, if the comedy community was absolutely silent, right. then that will make sense. They're like, well, why are they like obviously silent? But they're not. He but was called not. out by a comedian. He was called out by a comedian. <laughs> exactly, right. exactly right. So, you know, like, and the thing, okay, so calling out Muslims publicly and saying we can, but even amongst our own community, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on all the time. Like, um, you know, Muslims trying to pull up other Muslims who say terrible things publicly or who say bad things to their own community. Like, that's that happens all the Because, you know, ultimately, communities want to strengthen themselves. Well, also, if you believe in the fucking and brand... Believe in the brand. Then you, know, you don't if, want people fucking up your yeah, brand. you don't want people basically yeah, committing identity fraud like that. Right. Like, it's kind of misappropriating and, and everybody's tarnished. Like, if if in one of the Batman movies... Well, in the Batman movie, it happened. Yeah. In the second movie, there was all the people going around dressed as Batman... Wait, have I seen... Trying to fight crime. Seen it, seen it, the it. Dark Knight. That's right. And he was and like, he hang on. Asses. You are... You're <laughs> not helping. Well, no, he doesn't kick their asses. No. They get their asses, they get their asses kicked. kicked, but then he's like, you don't do no, this no, anymore because no. you were terrible for my reputation <laughs> you're ruining it for totally. me the you actual batman the muslim community needs to watch the second batman right i mean it's the same headwear i mean <laughs> i think that really respond you know <laughs> yeah what, what you guys need is a utility belt and people and some little ears and people will love you <laughs> it's just a re, it's just a rebranding exercise but he got banned didn't he batman didn't wasn't he an outlaw yeah, he, they he banned yeah. his burka. Yeah, that's true. They did ban his burka. He had to go underground. <laughs> <laughs> he then had to wear like an actual Muslim burka to do his vigilante work. <laughs> Driving around in his bloody car. Anyway, um, yeah. You talked about your sister wearing a scarf. Mm-hmm. What does she wear? She wears a hijab. So that's probably the one that you see most commonly where yep. her face is shown. Uh, so she started wearing the probably during uni, and uh, look, the thing is, I don't, I kind of completely don't, I don't understand exactly why Muslim women wear the hijab, like because there are so many different reasons why Muslim women wear the hijab. Some people, some women wear it because it's like a feminist ex- statement saying, "I'm a woman, don't objectify me, don't sexualize me, take me for what I am, for my character, what I have to say, than what I look like." Um, other women say, "No, this is I'm an ambassador for my faith." Some people do it because right, I'm a modern person working as a job as a lawyer. I'm not yeah. saying this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. your sister is, but I can imagine you're like, "I'm just a normal person working yeah. at a law firm, yeah, yeah. and I also also wear a hijab yeah, because I'm on my head." Yeah, you know, some women, yeah, they say, "Look, I'm outwardly saying I'm a Muslim, and so you know, I take me as an ambassador for my faith." Other women do wear, you know, unfortunately because. They feel that um, you know, like, well, look, for, for all sorts of different reasons, for reasons that objectively you might find are inherently oppressive. Yeah. But you know, that's the thing. It's kind of hard to say the burqa is oppressive or it's not. Like, it's it's a broader conversation. I still say one of my absolute highlights of my entire career was. Um, uh, You've had many because I just saw a photo of you shaking hands with the Dalai Lama. So I'm going to put this right up there with shaking hands with the Dalai Lama. I, I had done a TV spot and I used to have, this will be hard to describe on a podcast, but basically it was a routine about waving your hands in the air like you just don't care. And it has like a whole bit and there's like a kind of a callback to it at the end where I wave my hands in the air. And like, anyway, so this bit had been on like the gala or whatever. Hey. And the next day I'm in King's Cross in Sydney and I'm walking down the street mm-hmm. and a woman in full, like, now, I've heard that, that the burqa is not very p- not, common in Australia. Are you talking about the one with the slit so or the absolute mesh thing? So what 
I think it was slit. So because what's that's that? Niqab, yeah. Yeah, I reckon it was yeah. niqab, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'd say that's what she was wearing. Yeah. But like a full, like, you know, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Conservative looking. Yeah, conservative looking. <laughs> and then I've just walked down the oh street and I've seen this like, cons- <laughs> just put her arms in the air and wave them at me like across the street. And it was like one of those moments, like I almost got a little bit fucking teary. Oh, it was nice. like, <laughs> that is super nice. Sometimes like, to be honest, I do find, like I do get really, really surprised when I, because that's my own project. Like, I'm conditioned, like, to, to find some women who wear the face veil is, like, a little bit different. I do find it, like, you know, so when I come to comedy shows and I see them in the crowd, I right. always do, like, a triple take and uh, I pay particular attention to see how they laugh. But when you see their head shaking, like, you know, maybe they're laughing or just disappointed and shaking their head. Uh, what about as someone who has had to counterbalance when you were on the Islamic uh, yeah, Council yeah. and being a comedian, like, saying yeah. things publicly? Was that a tough... Uh, well, thing for you to have to balance? Ultimately, I kind of did have to leave because, well, kind of my own choice, but because um, because I felt that I didn't want to have the community, I didn't want to have to explain my comedy right. to, to the community. Yeah, and, and you and didn't need to yeah. be like an ex- a represent. You know, I'm a representative of the community. Right. This is what we all think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> officially, because I was officially on the board, so yeah. I just basically. But yeah, it's pretty. pretty the thing is, most Muslims love it. Like, um, but, but but because we come from a community that's been habitually humiliated for a long time. There are certain members, older people who perhaps don't understand Australian comedy, who see me on TV or on stage making jokes about Muslims and our lives and humanizing us and everybody laughing and they see non-Muslims laughing and they think, oh, now there's a Muslim guy that's also making fun of us. Oh, here we go. Now every, like, everyone is making fun. This guy is just on their side. You know? So it's, it's kind of like understanding that, no, actually, a Muslim kind of just being funny is a good thing. So you do you have you've put some thought into how like your you know, what your style of comedy will be in that situation and what it is that you uh, think you're doing like in regard to the jokes you make. In retrospect, I can't <laughs> <laughs> like, oh look what I was doing there was a very right. clever thing, but it's basically it's too late by then. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Like you can't you can't overthink your comedy. Like you, as we were talking about, you were talking about outside. Like you you're now at the point where you sort of you can just kind of get up on stage and just have a kind of a riff with the audience like it's a conversation and if you if you really think about the points that you want to make and if you're treading a very particular line like it's difficult to find the funnies as easily for me i think so okay so when you were doing your show legally brown yeah. on sbs which i love by the way i watched yeah. it when i was overseas and yeah. i would like uh, download each oh. episode and i really really enjoyed it thank you but when you're doing a show like that, uh-huh. like, what do you go into it trying to achieve? Like, what, you know, how do you, what was your kind of aims and aspirations? What do you think you got right? What maybe didn't you, like, if you had another chance at, would you, would you do a different way? Um, yeah, like, I think my, my philosophy on comedy is just to joke about things that I would normally joke about with my friends anyway. Right. Right. And, and, uh, yeah. And so often that's just, if that's- I joked about the things I joked about with my friends, I would get arrested. <laughs> We both, we both joke about different things. Actually, I probably would get arrested. <laughs> I'd get detained. Oh yeah, every yeah. Airport. Not arrested. You wouldn't get arrested. You'd get removed from society and never heard of again. Uh, yeah. So that's why, why did his uh, new show get cancelled? Well, he why, just. Why did he change his show title to Legally Wise? Right. Why, why does his name look like Will Anderson? Why is it called Illegally Brown now? <laughs> why is it called I'm an Australian? But, um, anyway, yeah, I, so that's kind of it. If, I, if I'm making my friends laugh, that you know, then I think I'm doing the right thing. But also, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Like if you if you muck around and you see 
people like I, I I do like to make fun of white society. Like that's kind of the sort of stuff that we grow up with. Especially when you're kind of socially, if you if you don't drink alcohol in Australia, it's a completely different world. Like right. the way that you have fun, it's you have to you have to be really creative. This is the first sober podcast I've done. <laughs> really got your power right here. Right, I was culturally <laughs> respectful of you. I was like, I won't drink. Also, it is morning. It is, but <laughs> it's freaking. It's, it's midday now. Yeah, you've got to wait at least an hour. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. So you know, when we when we often hang out together sober on Saturday nights and stuff like that, yeah, you know, just inevitably we end up making fun of drunk people. Right. <laughs> As any sober person As would. Any sober, it's kind of a way of saying, yeah, they're not cool. We're cool for not drinking and having our cordial. Like, so that's sort of like culture of making fun of. I like the idea that you're drinking cordial. <laughs> Are you actually drinking cordial? <laughs> or strawberry nest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Either or, you know, <laughs> depending on your calcium intake for the day. <laughs> <laughs> that is, but again, like, and this is why I think that, that all this sort of comedy is so fantastic is like particularly as a white person yeah. like you understand that like it's great it's great to be made fun of <laughs> like do you know what I mean like well it doesn't hurt that's well because and and because people are kicking up yeah, yeah. like I mean I don't mean that you know but you know what I mean like yeah. they're kicking up to power and, and not- authority or unearned authority or just difference yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and I think it helps people learn anyway well, I, 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 I mean I, I sometimes I wonder whether you know, I leave a show and I'm like, oh, did I make too much fun of white people? Um, but then I think, nah, they're white people. They right. They'll be fine. I know. It was an hour of their lives. Yeah. <laughs> they can go back to the rest of their yeah, lives. They can turn on the TV, <laughs> see themselves, pat themselves on the back again, <laughs> open up a magazine, read the newspaper, be in the world. <laughs> It might be a shock to them going back so quickly, though. <laughs> it might be like the Benz. You come out of one of your shows and then everything's just way too white all of a sudden. Don't go, don't float people. You need to get some, like, you know, so it's like light, lighter browner people, like maybe a person with a tan so people can ease back into white He's society. Privilege. Yeah. <laughs> That should be the title of what he's like. He's back oh, into my privilege. Oh, I've got privilege shock. Oh, shit. Oh, it's just, it's just snap back into it so quickly. What about kids? Kids. Are you a person who thinks that you will have kids? Is that something oh, that I, you would like to I have love, kids? I love kids. Yeah. But I probably would like to have kids, I think. But I don't Yeah, again, how do you bring your kids up if you're religious? Right. And do you sort of drill shit into their heads? Yes, you do. No. Yeah. <laughs> Only way to get them to come back. (laughs) They'll probably drift around in their teens, but if we drill enough of this shit in, they will come back and they will make more of us. Come on. How else are we going to take over this place? But but I don't know. I think um, I have no answer to that question. I don't know if I feel that my upbringing was the way that I'd like to bring up my kids, you know. Because, you know, my parents, they just told us, this is what God's, this is what, you know, there's kind of no reasoning behind that until a lot later on in life. And I don't really think that's a good thing to do. Like, kids need to understand ideas before they understand. Like, the idea of love, right. the idea of being nice to neighbours, being nice to, you know, being generous, seeing people less advantaged than you, being, you know, feeling grateful, I think is more important. And that may fi- that may lead them to God, and I may pull them by their hands. And right. <laughs> or, they, or they might not. But I think that's more important in many ways. And I, and for me, because if I genuinely believe in God, I, my, if my genuine belief, and this is me asking myself that question, then I'll, I think that everybody would be able to find God if they really searched, right? And that everybody has their own kind of belief system. And I think that's what ultimately would happen to my ch- child if I, if I genuinely thought that's what, what the world is. It, it, it's 
created by God. And so why should I need to drag my child there if I instill good values in them that they may find that at themselves? And if they don't, then it's their own, their own sort of journey and their own path. But so long as, you know, they are good people, it doesn't really matter. Does the rest really matter? Uh, that is a very nice note to end on, I think. Me having kids. That, no, well, just that was a nice message. Okay. That was a very nice little wrap-up. I, I thought that was... <laughs> I thought so too. I was going to ask you about education. Uh, now that, well, see, okay, now that you've uh, ruined this nice moment, I'm going to uh, go back and ask you about education okay, now. You, uh, you said that, uh, you know, you were around a bunch of teachers yep. the other night. Uh, you're obviously a person who thinks that you can inform people through your work, at least about, you know, like, you know, yeah. what your worldview is like yeah. and what your life experience is like. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on teaching? Yeah. How important do you think teachers are? Did you have a te- one particular teacher who inspired you in some way? What, what do you think is wrong with education? How could we make it better for people so people can, yeah. you, know, you know, be yeah. better educated? Oh, I had a really good chemistry teacher. Uh, Mr. Kogo, one of my favourite teachers. Yeah, he Mel- made meth, right? <laughs> he helped me make a lot of money. <laughs> that's why I. That's why I'm rich now, and I don't need to drink because I have heaps of meth. I've got heaps of meth. Yeah, that's the other thing I didn't yeah. take. I drink. I do meth. But, but he was he was really good. Like I, uh, the way it wasn't just the way he taught me, but it was kind of the way he taught other students who right. just weren't confident. Like. He kind of didn't expect them to get it, but he just sort of was there and let them know and let me know as well that, you know, like he's just, you can trust him. Almost, right. almost like a friendly relationship. And outside of school, he kept in touch with us. I don't know if that becomes creepy, but like he was like a, a good I th- guy. I think it's sad that we live in a world where, that, where people think that becomes creepy. Yeah. There should be nothing better than a teacher because what yeah. we... I mean, and I'm sure lots of teachers do do this. Yeah. Like, you help to create somebody. Mm. Of course you'd want to keep in touch and see how they're going. And, like, you know, you helped form this person and shape this person. Yeah, well, I think it's like like, if you trust a teacher, Mm. like, you want to learn it. Like, you want to... It's like I, this is this is wanky, but there was this one guy who came. I used to work in an office, and this this CEO of a company came to Australia, and he spoke about how he hires and fires. And he basically said he hires people based on their personality traits more so than on their qualifications or or their like professional whatever. Because he says if you can create a workplace where there is more of a possibility that people become best friends, um, then you will want to do work for each other because you want to help your friend out, not because you want to help the company out. So. I- I always think that about that a lot when it comes to shows. Like, I always talk about we in regard to the show. Like, people will pull me up on it. I was like, yeah, we had a great show the other night. And they'll be like, who's we? And I say, well, it's not just me. It's yeah. the person who books the venue and it's my tour manager and it's the publicist and it's the people from my management company. And, like, most of the things that happen, mm. I don't know how they happen. Like, I've got no idea, like, how these things happen. I just rock up and tell my jokes. You asked me. I shouldn't reveal this. I'm going to have to cut two things out. But no, I might leave this one in. I'll cut yours out and I'll leave this one in. Uh, Which is that uh, you asked me who who, uh, shot my DVD the other night. And I was like... <laughs> you not know, sure. right? Because that's not my job to, yeah, to yeah, know that. My yeah, job yeah. was to like do a good job on stage, yeah. and but also I want all those people to feel like Mm-mm. they're part of it. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. I probably should know who he was to make yeah, him yeah. feel like he was part of it, but I value every. The, yeah. I trust that that person's an expert and can do their yeah. job. You know, and, and, and like you, you, you feel like you work with people that you can just trust and leave it to, mm. and that they've got your best interest at heart, right? And in, in education, all as I said, my my partner, she's studying. 
primary teaching after she was a lawyer for many years and she realised I can't do the law because I want to connect with people. So she's now going back and learning primary teaching. Which, by the way, is what we need more of in teaching. Not necessarily all lawyers, but yeah. we need to value it as something that... He's, he's, a, he's a worthy profession. Right. And, and she, she properly <laughs> inspires me to actually be a better person because I'm like, right, she actually cares about her job to the point that she... like she what's, your, she, what's your qualification? I've studied, we studied law together, actually. Right. So, we, I did so law, basically, law law's lost two lawyers for a, exactly. for a fucking Which clown probably- and a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably a good thing for the legal profession. And also for it's a law. win-win. It's for a win-win. Everybody. <laughs> Everyone's happy. But if you can make, if you can make, like, if your, if you can make your students feel like they're your friends and that they can just trust you, then uh-huh. I think they will want to learn. Like, or because I think the thing that we sometimes teachers have a hard time getting across, and I think it's because of our immature brains, but also I think it's because of the way our system's set up, mm. is this idea that saying like what a teacher is, what you're trying to really say is like. My job is to help you learn this thing. Yeah. Like, however it is that you learn it. Mm. I'm not here to get you in trouble that you don't know it. Yeah. My job is literally to help you learn it. Mm. Right. And and there's that just that weird little shift. If you meet a teacher who like is like, oh no, it's my job to just yeah. guide you so that you know this by yourself. Yeah. It's an amazing Oh, it's totally thing. amazing. And I think like when when I was really young in primary school, I used to think, wow, teachers are the most, um, they must be the smartest people on the planet because they're teaching right. us things about the world. So they must know that better than anybody. And Imagine we- if they were the smartest people on the planet. <laughs> well, Imagine, like, I would just love to see that if you, you know. Um, that is actually a pretty uh, uh, pr- profound thought. Right. Like, if we had. That would be an amazing experiment. Mm. What would our society look like mm. if the most important people. For one generation at least. For one generation, we got the most qualified, oh. you know, people and we made them the teachers. Ooh, well, not made them. You know like, what? Like, you know, we'd, we'd need them to. You that's, know, but, that's an experiment worth investing in. And imagine if we just go, look, let's raise a billion dollars. Right. And then just. Let's do a Kickstarter. <laughs> do a Kickstarter. <laughs> With your with your podcast listeners, we can do this. <laughs> you know, educa- Australia really went ahead after the great Anderson reforms of the, uh, the early Anderson, 2015th. reforms. Right. <laughs> Sorry, mate, you didn't get on the... People didn't think it tested well with, with Hussein with in the, the title. With 25-year-old. People didn't trust it, mate. There's, Hussein has a brand, bad brand yeah, name. people aren't going to put money to that. Where's the yeah. money really go? Yeah, that's right. It's going to terrorism. Like, Halal certification. <laughs> it's all funding terrorism. <laughs> but that's an awesome idea. You know what? Let's put that to government. They should get the best teachers. All right. That was a good note to finish on as well. Thank you. Hey, uh, mate, uh, where can people find you? Uh, like, where can they tweet you or Facebook you or look uh, up your dates on your internet on or something? at Nazim underscore Hussein. On Facebook, Nazim Hussein. Instagram, Nazim Hussein. And uh, I've got a website, NazimHussein.com.au. Uh, we didn't really get to talk about work as much as I would have liked, but we got, we, right. we had a lot of other. So I would love next time you've got a big project on. Oh man, uh, come back! I'll be here, and I'd love to t- talk to you about a what the process of that is. Yep. But then through that, we can talk about like you know other things you've worked on sure. and whatever. So um, I like these conversations when yeah. You know, I mean people. Yeah. People should definitely check out your work uh, and comedy festivals. Right, comedy festivals coming up. Uh, Get your tickets. What, what's the show called? Uh, it's called Legally Brown. Oh, you know why? That was nice. a marketing strategy because yeah. I think people are like, "Hey, you're that on the street." When I see them, they're like, "Hey, yeah. you're that guy." From Legally, show, Brown. Legally Brown. Legally Brown. Oh. No one knows my name, so no, that's good. Post it next. Makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Get more tickets. Right, uh, and uh, my show Free Will um, yes. is uh, is Free on will. sale. Free Will. Okay, uh, people probably do this all the time. I had. Um, 
a show title. Oh special. no, I like I love them because I write them down and then I got one for next year. How about this one? Are you for will? Are you for will? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I remember that. I'm going to put that on the. I'll put that on the list. Uh, I can do it like the young people too. Are you for will? Will oh, that's sick. See, people can like. There's a hashtag. Hashtag. Are you for the number four? Will are you for will? Nice, that's good. Sick. Very modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mate, thanks so thanks very much man. for being part of the podcast. Oh, we're shaking hands. I like that. That's good. We should do that more often. Stay forever. forever.